We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. The deposit you leave in your child, the investment is worth it. And more people can do it than cannot, is what I'd like to say. More people can attempt this. It accommodates a lot of different lifestyles, a lot of different professions, a lot of different family structures. And so I would encourage parents to really give it some consideration because it is a great journey. You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 177, The Undefinable Spirit, The Choice to Homeschool, Stacy Dittman. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. Welcome to The Seal Podcast, number 177, The Undefinable Spirit, The Choice to Homeschool with Stacey Dittman. Now, I met Stacey through her two sons, actually. I was asked a number of years ago to mentor a chess club at the local library in Alton, Ontario. Mm. And there were, I think, about eight or nine, ten kids. And they were all homeschool kids, as it turned out. And I didn't know that. But I met her two sons, Levi and Jerome. Mm-hmm. in that context, and then it met Stacy through them. So we're going to talk today, Peter and I, about the idea of homeschooling, the practical aspects of homeschooling, the challenges of it, and that sort of thing. And we're going to talk to Stacy Dittman about that. So I'm going to introduce Stacy here and bring her on. Stacy Dittman was born in Toronto to Greek immigrant parents. She grew up in the Jane Finch community and in Richmond Hill. Stacy is a longtime resident of Orangeville, a wife and homeschooling mom to two teenage sons. Community involvement and athletics have been a huge part of the Dittman's homeschooling journey, including scouts, youth group, homeschool group activities, chess club, music, tennis, skiing, baseball, and soccer, but not all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Soul Podcast, Stacy. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Great. Yeah. Hi, Stacey. Now, the first question I have for you is kind of the most obvious about homeschooling, which is why did you choose to homeschool your two sons? That's the million-dollar question. So my journey began when I was 19 years old, pre-kids, pre-marriage, really pre-thinking about anything family-related. And I was listening to a program on the radio, so this was pre-podcast, on the subject of homeschooling. And it was in my mother's kitchen. It was my first year of university. I'd just come back from classes. And I just found the whole topic absolutely riveting. It was a Christian program, so it was focused on the family. And the context was how to think about training and raising your kids with the values that you wanted to pass on that it needed to be an intentional act. And that captured my imagination, but I tucked it away. So right after that, I thought, okay, great idea, perfect. But it would be a lot of years before I settled down, had a family. And actually my kids did start in the public school system. And from there, I went back, I circled back to the idea of what did I want to pass on to my kids? What does education mean? How does that fit in with my parenting? And the conclusion I reached was that homeschooling would be an important part of passing on my values and being a really involved parent. So that's it in a nutshell. 
I was thinking specifically about your background and your immigration status. Your parents immigrated from Greece. You grew up here. You went to university here. Now you have these two children, and you've decided to homeschool them. Before I get to my next question, I'm curious about how your parents responded to that idea. That's an excellent question. So the laws for homeschooling in Greece are that it is illegal to homeschool. Really? So, yes, they're not every country in Europe, trying to remember, I know Greece for sure, Germany, I, I believe it's also banned, does not support homeschooling. So hmm. this was a very foreign concept, not only to my parents, but to my entire extended family. Very difficult to try to explain it to them, the reasons. I mean, they had put me in public school and I enjoyed it and felt that I received what I wanted to receive from it, including assimilation into the Canadian culture, and it served me well. But my departure from public school to homeschooling was a tough sell to my parents, to my extended family, to my friends, even receiving comments such as, I was going to ruin the kids, or mm. are you thinking mm. about their socialization, that sort of thing. Yep. So not unexpected, but difficult in my first year when I'm trying to grapple with the new reality and then also having people question my every turn. So I know that's a common experience. And this kind of segues perfectly into my question because of what you just stated with the difficulties that you were encountering with family and so on. But once you and your husband resolved to undertake the homeschooling path, did you have a sense for the scale of that commitment when you decided to homeschool Levi and Jerome? Also a great question. So the scale of the task. I was thinking in terms of, at that point, when I first started, I was thinking in terms of maybe two to three year, maybe five year time frame. I had no idea that I would still be homeschooling at age 16 and 14. Mm. So 10 years later. But to your point about the undertaking of it, there's a biblical principle about counting the cost. And that was embedded deeply in me about when you undertake a commitment, whether it's in your faith, and, and this is, homeschooling is a major part of my faith, you need to count the cost. So you need to look at it in terms of the benefits, maybe some of the negative consequences, but what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to put aside to do this task? Mm. And so that was a major part of what kept me going. I had it written down. So even in um, motivational or coaching circles, just the idea of writing down a vision or a purpose statement, I had that written down for my homeschool. And I referred to it a lot. I haven't looked at it in a while. But in those early years, I kept referring back to it. And that kept me on track. Mm. Because if you allow the circumstances and your emotions to guide you, you will get derailed either through the criticism or through the trouble spots or just life. Mm -hmm. You can get distracted. Even good things, they come in, they can creep in and just distract you. So counting the cost, it's an underlying principle that kept me going, that grounded me. 
Yeah, and it's applicable everywhere in life, too, mm-hmm. for sure. Now, this is one thing for a parent to decide, yes, I'd like to homeschool my children, but the children are also spiritual beings who might have something to say about that as well. How did Levi and Jerome respond to this idea of homeschooling? I know you started them young, but there must have been a certain point where they had something to say about it as well. Was there any pushback from those guys? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll start at the beginning. Levi was six, going into grade one, and Jerome was four, going into senior kindergarten. And when I removed them from school, and I think a lot of moms of boys will probably relate to this, school is a difficult setup for boys. The lack of running around and being able to move around, Mm -hmm. it really fit well especially in the early years, we were outside a lot at Island Lake, conservation areas. We did a lot of gross motor type things, maybe less on the academics, although to be honest, you can fit academics in very quickly at that age. So the focus on reading, writing and whatnot, but it fits so well. And I was only thinking in terms of two, three to five years. As we moved into middle school, I started asking them about the idea of high school and it was open-ended very open-ended. Let's look at some high school programs. We looked at private schools. We looked at the public schools. What would you like to do? What path would you pursue? Each of them, and you can verify this with them if you speak with them later, each of them said that they would like to continue. I think a major part of that was because they were well-grounded in the community with a lot of activities. Mm. I think if we hadn't had that, the response would have been different. And of course, I would have put them back in school. But we were and are trying to be very active in the community. Well, this ties in perfectly with what I'm going to ask you, which is, have you seen any fundamental differences in how your sons engage with the world compared to, say, normally schooled kids? Well, um, as far as engaging with the world, I do see more independent thinking. I do see maybe less concern for what the group thinks. And that can be good and bad because if taken to an extreme and you have to temper that, Mm -hmm. you have to to watch for that, it can become an all or nothing zero-sum game. And that doesn't get you anywhere in the world. You have to know and appreciate differences of opinion. You have to know where people are coming from. You have to be able to work together. I do think team sports and things like that help go a long way toward fostering those skills. So you have to watch for that, that when you're home and you're doing work independently, there is a strength of character there that you're going to tackle your studies. You're going to be an independent learner, but you don't want to be isolated in your thinking. You don't want to get to a place where you're not being pushed upon or challenged. So it is important. You have to think about that as a parent, making sure they're given opportunities to be with a lot of different people not just like-minded people, but a lot of different kinds of people. It's about balance, right? Yeah, it is about balance. And I guess maybe both systems can foster imbalance, both the public school, where maybe you're taking your cue from your peers maybe too much, and you're not given enough space to carve out your own identity, not something that the school has given you or your peers or the culture. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time in homeschooling, that you don't become so idiosyncratic that nobody can relate to you. So there are extremes in both environments. 
I think with homeschooling, when you do take it on, the weight of the responsibility forces you to think about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would even add something to what you were saying too, Stacey, because my godson, Seth, was educated in the Waldorf school system, which is quite distinct from the normal schools. And I noticed a similarity between the feeling I have around him and the feeling I had around your sons and the other children in the homeschool group, the chess club group, that there was something qualitatively different in terms of their sort of spiritual presence, if you like. And it wasn't just to do with a more individualistic way of expressing themselves. There was something qualitatively different, which is hard to put my finger on and put words to. But I certainly noticed it in my time with the kids and the chess club and with my godson and the Waldorf school system. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, that's interesting. I think you've put some language around what I've been feeling, and maybe it's a comfort with themselves. I don't find as much angst with them as I might do with public school students. I think you're right. There is a spiritual component, like the soul, as in they're more at rest with themselves. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe because they're not constantly bombarded with messages to conform, yeah. whether it's through the school system or, or whatnot. So you have time maybe for a more natural development of the soul or of your personhood. Yeah. That's hard for me to see it because they're with me quite a bit. But when you tell me that, I'm like, oh, okay, I think I see it. Yeah, maybe the word for me is there's a sense of inwardness that these kids have. So they're not quite as exposed to the external pressures and formation that you get in the public school system, that they have a chance to be more inward. And so there was a certain quiet calmness about them as well. May I add something maybe even simpler than that? Something that I believe very strongly in, which is the core uh, self-esteem. Your children... I would say, I would hazard to guess, by the very fact that you even had the confidence to do what you did, as they grow older, they'll come to that realization themselves that you yourself, as a parent, have done something very different from the norm. And they will come, I think, to appreciate that. And that is basically just love, security, and self-esteem. I like that. Love, security, and self-esteem. Yes. And I think if you have that in the family, mind you, the last couple of years, I think everyone has mm -hmm. really struggled with those issues and homeschoolers as well, then yes, I think then your core is strong. And from the, your core, you can be resilient. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And of all the challenges that you've faced over the last, say, 10 years of homeschooling the kids, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome for you and the boys? The biggest challenge has been, well, I would say probably pivoting the last couple of years. I don't know if we want to go here, but the pivoting from COVID and trying to navigate all of this has been the biggest disruptor, the biggest challenge, the biggest squeeze on our family, mm -hmm. more so the last half than the first half. As far as the academics go, Actually, it's been very good. I have pretty neurotypical kids. Neither of them have um, learning disabilities. We haven't had to navigate that yeah. journey. I know other homeschoolers have had different challenges. But for us, I would say 
yeah, it's been the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, also, when you're talking about educating the boys, the boys themselves are in this environment, which is new, and they're growing and evolving within it. As a parent, was there a point where did you feel that you needed to educate yourself in order to feel like you were teaching them in the best way? Yes, you do have to be a self-learner. You have to be a curious person. You don't have to know everything. I would say I'm not really teaching right now. I'm more administrator. I look for resources. I tap into their skills. I find mentors, instructors online, in person. Hmm. So resource procurement, I guess. But even so, if they're reading The Odyssey or maybe To Kill the Mockingbird or whatever the book is, I'll read along with them. I'll do the experiments, the science experiments with them. But it's not because I'm an expert. It's more because I want to be in their world and I want to be a learner as well and and pass that on. It's important that they need to see that and it makes me a better human being too, a more interesting human being. So it can't just be all wrote things. You have to develop yourself as a person as well. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's a co-evolution in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, are there any misconceptions about homeschooling that you could straighten out that people might have? Well, I think there's a few of them. One is time, that somehow the school day has to be from 9 till 3 p.m. It has to follow the exact schedule as public school. I mean, they have their reasons for doing what they're doing. Homeschooling is different. It's the actual seat work or book work. Less now because my kids are doing the upper level maths and sciences and there's a certain amount of hours that go into it. But certainly in the elementary school years, you don't need six hours every single day. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of your work, all your work, I'd say within two to three hours and use the rest of the day either to get together with other homeschoolers or do a chess club, pursue music. Music has been a really big part of our family. Mm. Being out in the community, working on what another homeschooler calls delight-driven learning. So maybe projects, building projects. That's a big misconception is the amount of time Mm. or that you have to follow the seasonal school year. Some years we did year-round schooling and we took a lot of breaks throughout the year, either for travel, visiting family. We would take two to three weeks at a time, but we would work through the summer. Now we're finding we need the summer break just because of the subjects we're working on. You can tailor it and customize it to meet your family's needs and not follow what the school system does. Otherwise, you will burn out to try to do it as a school system. (laughs) Also, I would think it's much like working. People that work from home and people that commute back and forth to an office, there's a question of efficiency. How much of your day is actually spent working? When you take out lunches, uh, chats at the uh, watering hole, so to speak, <laughs> you know, all these other things, meetings, interruptions. Uh, in a typical school day, how much of that six hours is actually spent learning? Just getting to and from classrooms, from recesses, all of that. So there is a question of efficiency. I think, as you say, we're taught to be structured in a certain way, even if it doesn't make sense. It's not questioned, which is part of the problem to me with the entire education system. Is it working? Is it designed for the way we live now? Or is it the same system that we put into play 200 years ago and we're going with it? And it's no longer it's no longer working. So here you are at this stage now, and they're uh, adolescent teens. And 
homeschooling is going to come to an end, what follows in terms of uh, higher education? So both of my sons tend to veer towards the STEM subjects. They both enjoy math and physics and chemistry. So if they do want a career in that area, and Levi has expressed interest in pursuing mathematics, so there is a path for him that he needs to follow in terms of getting his requisite subjects in. So he has to go through and do all his calculus. So we're further developing his skills by having him participate in the University of Waterloo math contests, doing some online math clubs. He's back and forth with a pen pal in California, trying to get into MIT. So his pen pal in California is giving him advice on which areas to focus on. So, I mean, that's his world. And you help support that by bringing in some outside sources and extracurriculars. So we'll see what happens. So he's 16 and he's almost at the calculus level. So now would be the time for us to start reaching out to post-secondary institutions, talking with department heads. That was the advice I received from veteran homeschoolers. Don't just go to the admissions. Talk to the department heads where your kids are interested in applying and make a personal connection so that they can often rally for you and make a recommendation for you to the admissions process. So that's a bit of a tip that I received. Mm -hmm. My younger son enjoys the hands-on, so he enjoys mathematics. I could see him wanting to maybe do more of a trade. So we'd like to explore that and see about getting him in with an employer and doing some internships and co-ops. So he's grade nine, so he still has some time. But I'm watching to see where their skill set, where their natural abilities heading. And what they're telling me, too. And do you have any concerns about them kind of integrating into the normal school system when they do? Yes and no, I guess. I mean, in terms of workload, their workload has been pretty much similar. So I don't think they should find that to be a challenge. Maybe the structure of being in school, Mm -hmm. although there are deadlines, you can't just do mathematics without doing the tests without doing the exams, it will be different for them. I mean, I think, well, being in a classroom versus being home and having other peers around them. So there will be that and learning to deal with maybe distractions and so on. I am Jerome. I am 14 years old. And this June, I will have completed my 10th year of homeschooling. And up until this point, it has been a great pleasure to homeschool. I've had a lot of freedom to choose the curriculum I liked, which was the original reason why me and my family decided to homeschool was because of problematic education in the public school system. So having the freedom to choose my curriculum was probably the number one reason why we started. And up until maybe COVID, it worked out really well. Unfortunately, COVID messed a lot of things up, though I still continued to homeschool. I found myself getting a little unmotivated during COVID, but I found I could still do my work, but a lot of my extracurriculars were cut off. So I could do my academics okay, but it was getting harder and harder, especially going into high school when I have much more advanced academics, including chemistry and advanced mathematics. It gets harder just at the dining room table when everything else is shut down. So 
that was probably my biggest challenge during COVID. But other than that, I can only be very thankful that I was not in the public school system. I mean, I'm biased, but I haven't needed to wear a mask or be obligated to do anything like that during the past two years. So homeschooling has been a big advantage for me. Over the past two years, I found that I was cut out of a lot of things. I lost a lot of friends because of being locked out of sports due to vaccines. But I've also made new friends. So one of the big advantages of homeschooling, in my opinion, is you're not confined to a classroom where those are the only friends you can make for six hours a day. You can make friends with really anybody. And so I've made a lot of friends and lost a lot of friends over the past two years. I'd say, except for maybe this winter, which was a hard time, especially with the first vaccine mandate, I've kept pretty well socially connected really all the time. So in that aspect, I found homeschooling to be very beneficial. My name is Levi. Uh, I'm 16 years old and going into grade 11 in the fall. And I would say homeschooling has really helped me because, of course, it teaches you facts and things to know. But even more than that, it teaches you how to learn instead of what to learn. And so I think it's really helped me just become more of a rational thinker and to sort through information and not just accept anything, but to actually think through why things are true. And I think it's just provided a really good vehicle for that. In addition, it's just I think when you're at home, there's not as many distractions I find as in a classroom. So I kind of like learning on my own that way without my friends kind of right there. I think that's a little bit hard sometimes. And then, of course, we would see our friends through extracurriculars. We did skiing for a number of years and tennis and soccer and a number of sports. And I think that became much harder once COVID hit just because all those things were canceled. So it became harder to see people just because that's sports and extracurriculars is where we normally saw our friends and that. So to have that canceled definitely affected me a lot. But I think through our church, which has been a key support throughout COVID, but it's definitely been hard without a lot of the activities we used to do. One area where it's definitely been a challenge of homeschooling is just, you know, where, where am I going to meet people just because I can't go anywhere, really. I think one big benefit of homeschooling is we actually encounter kids our own age a lot, but we also talk with adults a lot, too. And I think that's one thing that maybe homeschooling has an advantage is just I'm comfortable talking to adults and really anyone, people my own age. And so really, we have friends that are older than us and younger than us. And so there's not really, I don't feel like, well, my friends only have to be, you know, the same age as me or same grade as me, because we know how to talk to a lot of different people. And I would, I would also add to that, there are homeschoolers who are like that. It's not as many as people would think. But for me personally, at least, I need to see people. So if I even try to do um be locked away and socially isolated, I couldn't do that. COVID uh, showed me that I couldn't do that. So it actually forces me to go out there and meet people, all sorts of people, regardless of age, like Levi said. So I found that it helped me with social skills, actually. So I'm very thankful to my family. It's really been a blessing, all my education. And I think also the fact that 
our parents valued our education enough to want to do the very best they can. And in in this case, it's through homeschooling. I really appreciate that. I think I can speak for both of us in saying that we've both loved it for similar reasons. I haven't found too much difference with Levi on most topics. Do you want to add anything to that, Levi? Uh, I think that just speaks to the fact that homeschooling might not work for everybody, but it works for a variety of, of different people and different personalities. And so I think we've both benefited a lot from it. I wish to add as well, I think possibly some of the misconceptions might have been strengthened at the beginning of COVID. Just because I heard a lot of kids say, oh, I hate homeschooling because I tried it for you know a couple of months. But I'd just like to say that that's not really homeschooling just because everybody was just all of a sudden thrown into it without any planning or preparation. It's like trying to combine the worst aspects of public schooling and homeschooling. You know, like everyone's separated, but you're still trying to learn as a group. And so I think that's just created a lot of false impressions in people's mind. And so I would try and tell people, this is not really homeschooling. So don't say you hate it yet because that's not really what it's like. One last thing I would say is, I think that personally, the best time to homeschool is the first few years. Because when you get a solid foundation, and really a love of learning, you can go anywhere. And then in the later years, as you specialize in different subjects, if you want a specific laboratory or a um, mathematics department or an English department in a high school, a lot of people go back because it's hard to do homeschooling with only um, at-home materials. I'm just thinking even in um, different areas, especially like the sciences, where it's hard to find these things at home. But I think that the best years, I'm not saying that you can't homeschool through high school. I know a lot of people who have done that and it's worked out really well. But the best years for homeschooling are at the beginning to set a good foundation. This is a decade in. You've done all this work, the commitment, all the time and energy and love and all that you've put into it. Is there anything that you would have done differently knowing what you know now in terms of their education? I would have eased up in the first few years. So I said that one of the misconceptions of homeschooling is how little time it takes. Mm. I was very structured in the beginning. I had a book. It is a really good book, but <laughs> I think if my, it's a good book. But, <laughs> but homeschoolers who know this book, it's like beating somebody over the head with, I don't know, a King James Bible. Um, <laughs> it's, called, it's called The Well-Trained Mind by Susan Weisbauer. She is a very, very phenomenal woman. She homeschools her own children. But you look at her schedules, And it's impossible. There's no way you can keep them. And so it's not that I tried to do every last thing, but I think I was just overthinking it, overthinking it in the beginning. And then after maybe two to three years, you do ease up. So, yeah. That's amazing. And while you were talking, I was thinking about my own views on life. And we live in a world surrounded by money, investments, constant preoccupation with various securities and so on, which are the realities of life. But we never look at, or at least I don't think enough, at the investment in our children and in people. And to me, homeschooling really personifies that. It's like you as an adult, as a parent, have made the kind of penultimate sacrifice. Now, I realize that there are people who are not in that position and some people can't do that. But you have obviously taken a bit of a financial hit, I would think, in some ways. You must have made some 
economic sacrifices in taking this route, did you not? I, I did. I, I have worked throughout the years. I've worked at uh, post-secondary institutions as um, academic writing teacher. I had my own consulting firm, but I never worked full-time. I took on projects, so there is a cost to that, and I've had to say no to certain opportunities. So my professional career is more punctuated, I guess, by the ebb and flow of what my children needed in homeschooling. But I don't have any regrets in that. I do see this as also as a career, if you will, a vocation, Mm -hmm. a calling, and it does have its own built-in benefits. Granted, there is a monetary cost, as you said, but no, I don't have any regrets about doing that as well. Oh, for what it's worth, it's just my own two cents here. I mean, because it's in line with my own view. I think you've made a phenomenal choice, uh, as difficult as it may have been, and maybe impossible for others, but something to consider in terms of where we put our priorities, which leads me to this whole COVID situation, which we've been under for over two years now. And as you mentioned early on in this podcast, causing all kinds of difficulty and challenges and so on. So basic question here, what effect did COVID have on your homeschooling? In the first year, none. Hmm. In fact, I was looking around in horror at my friends' experiences because I saw them buckling under the weight of working full-time from home for the first time, and then also having their children in the same room or another room, depending on their ages, and trying to help them with their online schooling. Hmm. I think mentally I could see my friends breaking down, understandably. Now, while we also went through the lockdowns as my friends did and the world stood still, we had our scheme. We had opportunities to be outside and continue with physical activity and our education. I mean, we, we didn't skip a beat. We just kept going. I tried to help advise some of my friends who wanted to make a jump into homeschooling away from online public school. And, and some of them did make that jump and found that just a huge pressure was off their shoulders. But that was the first year. In the second year, mandates were implemented. Right. And that was a game changer. And suddenly, whereas the year prior, we were all in this together, in the second year, there was a departure. And you had one group access services and sports and civic life in a way that another group couldn't based on a decision that one had to make for their own health. And so we were on the side of having to make a decision that did not involve vaccination. Mm -hmm. The repercussions of that cost us pretty much our entire social life. And so Mm -hmm. as homeschoolers, and there were a number of us in this boat, there was a noticeable decline in my children's well-being. And that's something we did struggle with over this winter. Now that having come out of that on this side, a few things that my children said, one, my younger one said, because I, I asked him, what did you learn from this, Jerome? What, what were some of the lessons? He said to me, I know who my friends are. <laughs> I know who the fair weather friends are. I know who will stick with me through thick and thin. And I learned that I had to rely more on my faith, my faith in God, 
that he would carry me through this. Otherwise, I would have buckled. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to cry, but at the same time, I was overjoyed in that, okay, you know what? His growth has been accelerated. It wasn't in the way that I wanted it to be, but he's grown and there is a resilience there. It's not only Jerome. I mean, that camp too. And I, I, mean, I can't speak for Harry, but uh, certainly has changed my whole social pattern as well. And it's true. It's really given me a lot of clarity around my social structure and who to align myself with and, and where to focus my energy. So your son's not alone. Mm-hmm. And the world has been refigured for all of us, right? So the matrix that we walk into, whether we're 70 or 15, is now quite different than it was two years ago. So there's all of that. But here's another question for you, Stacy, and that is, what qualities do parents need to cultivate in order to be successful at homeschooling their children? Well, yes. One of the biggest lessons for me was character over academics. So if a parent can, and this was something I had to journey with within my own self, because I do tend to be structured and I, and I want goals and, and I want outcomes and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm a parent. And as I'm interacting with my kids, even as a homeschool parent, I have to remember that I'm building a relationship with them that's going to go far beyond the time we spend even homeschooling, that I want a lifetime relationship with them. So if you can remember to always have your parent hat on first, that when there is an issue in the homeschool, approach your kid as a parent first. And you may even have to put aside homeschooling for a little while if you need to get into the relational aspect of the homeschooling and reestablish that connection. So making sure that you approach your child with your heart and with values. And if you are a Christian or if you're a person of faith, remembering that they belong to God before they belong to you. So it is a stewardship. It's a privilege to be able to raise two human beings on loan to me by a creator and ultimately that's who I'm accountable to. So I want to make sure that everything I do will reflect his characteristics, the love, peace, patience, all of that stuff. Now that's a work in progress because I've failed at every one of those. (laughs) I have failed at every one of those aspects. (laughs) And, And that's where grace comes in and you pick yourself up. And oftentimes I would call Seth at work or I'd call a friend and say, you know what? I can't do this. Or can you be my sounding board? Mm. So Make sure you have a tribe around you. It might not be your own family, but a tribe. Sounds to me like you should be writing a book about this, Stacey. And I'll edit it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, you've had this incredible experience and uh, you have a lot to share. And you're very erudite in the way you speak about it. So I'm waiting for the book. (laughs) I'd love to work with you. (laughs) And for me, the things you talked about, the relationship, the quality, this really hits home for me. When you speak, there's, there's a humility to your style and there's a calm. Calm to me is a big one because I see, especially over the last two or three years, I see a lot of overwhelmed people who panic a fair bit, especially parents with their children. They're just not really cognizant, I feel sometimes, of how their own behavior, just their day-to-day behavior, how they respond 
to challenges affects their children. As a former child myself, nothing struck me more than a parent who remained relatively calm in the face of difficult periods because it gave me a sense of I'm going to be okay. You know, yeah. I, I, I can get through this. But if my parent is freaking out, if people are screaming and yelling, it doesn't bode well. And, and that's the sense that I get. And the fact that you introspect is also big to me because that's another factor which I would say that introspection bodes not just on the educational front, on all fronts. The ability to look inward gives yourself and the people around you a sense of strength, which is often the opposite, or at least the perception is the opposite of that. But I understand that your family now will be, or is at least contemplating, a fairly big move. Do you intend to keep on with the homeschooling? We're actually looking into finishing high school in a school setting. And part of that is to transition them into the next stage, whether it's post-secondary or vocational training or what have you. But being in a new environment, completely different, it's really important that we make community connections. And I think doing that as quickly as possible, it will be important to connect with people in the community. And I think one of the ways in which we can do that is use the school system, whether it's public or private, find a school within the community where we want to be and get really involved. And so we've discussed that. Both boys are interested in that. They're excited about that, getting back into sports and making those community connections. So that journey continues in a different kind of way. I mean, they carry it with them, but it might mean that we're transitioning in a different context for our family. Mm -hmm. And just to wrap this uh, interview up, it's been wonderful. And thank you very much for being present and honest and everything about the experience you've had. But my question is, having gone through all of this, these experiences with your sons, what would you say was the most fulfilling part of this homeschooling experience from your point of view? The conversations. It's really the little things. It's not, you know, my sons have had a number of successes in the music. They've reached a pretty advanced age in the conservatory, or they've had a number of awards in mathematics contests or whatnot. And, and that's all good. It's nice. But for me, very honestly, it's been the friendship. I feel like I relate to them not only as a parent, but we have inside jokes. We have a rapport with one another that it's a joy. Like I look at them as young men and it's a joy to know them so well and to have journeyed with them. We have so many little memories and I cherish the conversations, especially the conversations in the car or they'll call me over and want to share something, something funny. One of their professors has said, their teachers have said online, it's those little moments that I treasure and I just tuck them away. And those are the things I'm going to remember 10, 20 years from now when I look back, the little things, the little conversations. Yeah. And those are the things that your boys are going to remember too. And your boys are fortunate to have you and your husband, even though he hasn't been part of this conversation. He's your partner. Obviously, you're in this thing together. And so wherever he is, kudos to him too and to your boys. And before we wrap this up, Stacy, is there anything that you want to leave with listeners? I don't know if you're involved in social media or if you have a website or anything that you do that you might want to share with other people. I'm not really on a 
public social media. I'm on some Signal or Telegram groups and, and some private groups. I guess the message I'd want to leave with parents is if I've stirred up anything in you about homeschooling and you want to see if that might be something you want to do, I would say go for it. I would say, please look into it. You won't regret it. The deposit you leave in your child, the investment is worth it. And more people can do it than cannot is what I'd like to say. More people can attempt this. It accommodates a lot of different lifestyles, a lot of different professions, a lot of different family structures. And so I would encourage parents to really give it some consideration because it is a great journey. Well, all I can say is it's been fantastic. Seriously, yeah. I really enjoyed listening to you. Me too. Uh, and I think this is an important topic, a human topic. It's not just about schooling. It's about interaction with human beings and family. And uh, for that, I thank you. Yes, thank you very much, Stacey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Harry and Peter, for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure for me as well. And on that note, ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.